Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You're listening to The Danny Parkin Show. Thank you so much for hanging out with me on The Danny Parkin Show. Sirius XM 206, radio.com sports app. Over 200 affiliates across the country. My name is Danny Parkins, at Danny Parkins on Twitter. Coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studio. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. Earlier today, Mike Mayock, the general manager of the Oakland Raiders, spoke. And uh, frankly, I was never more interested in the Antonio Brown story more so than when I heard the general manager speak. Let's take a listen. So here's the bottom line. He's upset about the helmet issue. Uh, We have supported that. We appreciate that. Okay, but we've at this point, we've pretty much exhausted all avenues of relief. So from our perspective, it's time for him to be all in or all out. So we're hoping he's back soon. We got 89 guys busting their tails. We are really excited about where this franchise is going, and we hope AB is going to be a big part of it starting week one against Denver. End of story. No questions. I ask you to give me some adjectives to describe what you just heard there from an NFL general manager. I'd imagine frustrated would be pretty high up on the list. Like if we were doing you know, family feud and Steve Harvey was like, survey says frustrated. Yeah. That's a frustrated man. That's an exasperated man. That's a man that's out of answers. It's a man that launched his career as the general manager of the Raiders in controversial fashion by trading a third and a fifth round pick for a disgruntled hall of famer who was trying to force his way out of a world-class organization and never stopped to ask himself, why does this world-class organization want to trade this world-class talent? Maybe because he has a tendency to act like a world-class jackass. And this story never interested me because I was like, eh, reasonable minds will come to the conclusion that you force your way out of Pittsburgh, you get 30 million in guarantees Tom Brady, other players don't like this helmet either. You file a grievance, you lose, you're going to show up. But now you're not there. And they're supporting you when you froze your feet in a cryotherapy chamber. So that's Mike Mayock. And we'll hear from you on this at 855-212-4CBS. We're going to try to figure this out together. What the hell is Antonio Brown's next move? 855-212-4227. So you heard from Antonio Brown's boss, Mike Mayock. You're either all in or you're all out. He's trying to speak to his wide receiver and say, hey, this thing's over. We need you here. Well, this is from Seven Sports Extra in Miami. Drew Rosenhaus, high-profile agent, reps Antonio Brown, and he doesn't think it's over. We've worked very closely with the Raiders, and we will continue to work very closely with the Raiders. I'm not sure that we agree that we've exhausted all the options is – Mike Mayock said, uh, but there's no doubt it's still an ongoing process. We are trying to work with the team and the league and the union to come up with a solution. We haven't figured it out yet. To say that AB is upset about the decision 
to not let him wear his helmet is accurate, but we're still processing it and figuring it out. I wouldn't make too much about him not being there today as much as we're still trying to come up with a solution that works for everyone. Okay. But here's the thing that Drew Rosenhaus can't quite square for us. The NFL announced that that helmet that Antonio Brown wore, the changes for that helmet and the uniform policy came in action a year and a half ago. Last year was the last year of the grace period where they were like, hey, you guys should transition to this new helmet. And most players did, and some players waited until the last minute, including Tom Brady. And they're like, ah, we'll do it when you force us to. Well, now it's the time when they were forcing them to. But it's not like this was announced at minicamp or OTAs in May, and now it's August, and Antonio Brown is just like, ah, I'm just getting used to this. It's still new to me. This is not new. This has been known for a year and a half. And again, Antonio Brown doesn't have the backing of his union on this. The union agreed with the specializations for the helmet and the safety measures. So the teams agree. The union agrees. The players who don't like the new helmet, they've begrudgingly agreed. Over 2,800 players are wearing the new helmet. Antonio Brown isn't. His general manager is saying you're either all in or you're all out. What is Antonio Brown doing? It sounds like Drew Rosenhaus still thinks that he's going to get to have his client wear a new helmet. How? It's over. A neutral arbiter ruled against you. Your union isn't standing with you. Like I, I'm all for agents and player empowerment, but checkmate, game over. Time has expired. Zeros on the shot clock. Like this game is over. Get into camp, Antonio Brown. 855-212-4227 is the number. Jeff's in Miami. He wants to talk A.B. What's up, Jeff? Hey, Park Park. What's up, man? I've always wanted to say that. Uh, <laughs> Appreciate well, that. Well, I, I had a response to Bart about a while back. Bart called up and thinks you should go through a, a mad scientist uh, experiment and make a special helmet for Antonio Brown. No, I'm with you. And I'm with the general manager. Get, get in line. Get in line. You, you, and you, you, you have to do the same as Tom Brady and everybody else and, and follow the rules, man. I mean, this guy is a megalomania. This guy is such an attention, such a narcissist attention getter. It's unbelievable. The thing, the thing that I don't understand is, like, to what end? I get it. You play a dangerous game. You like your helmet. You're a creature of habit. It's comfort. Like, I, I understand being pissed. But my dad always told me, tell me the rules and I can play the game. The NFL has told him the rules and now he's refusing to play the game. It's it's an odd thing. He's acting as if that he's got some power here because he used power to get out of Pittsburgh. And I, I just don't see what card he has left to play. Exactly. And, uh, you know, he's just, you know, I, I think all those personalities – on, on Oakland, I, I think it's going to be disastrous for them. I really do. But but I, I respect them for finally, you know, stand, standing up standing up to him, man. And uh, I just want to jump to uh, 
what your expert said about Tariq Kill, I couldn't disagree more. I don't like Tariq Hill. Tariq Hill's not a good person. But uh, Tariq Hill, like I had him last year, I had Holmes and Tariq Hill together, are going to be fantastic again this year. Yeah, I I don't agree with the expert I had on either, even though he's a really good friend of mine. Jeff, I appreciate the telephone call. I I know the argument is Tyreek Hill doesn't get as many targets as Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins, so he won't be a wide receiver one, but... He's so special as a football player. And I just, I am not buying that that offense is going to regress. Like seems to be conventional wisdom because what people are missing when they say that is like, oh, he's not going to repeat what he did last year. Okay. So if he's 90% of what he was last year, he still is the best quarterback in the NFL. But it's another year in the league, another year in the system. It's the same offensive coordinator, the same head coach, same number one wide receiver, same number two wide receiver, same number one tight end, same left tackle, same center, same right tackle. Defense is better, which will help. will we'll hurt him a little bit for fantasy because they won't need to be in quite as many shootouts. They got uh, the Honey Badger. They got Frank Clark. They made some investment on that side of the ball, but the defense still isn't good. They lost D Ford, so they... They upgraded from D Ford to Frank Clark, but Chiefs defense still going to give up a lot of points. They're still going to be in shootouts, and they drafted uh, that McCole Hardman kid who runs a four three forty from Georgia because they dra- they used a second round pick on a wide receiver because they thought Tyreek Hill was going to be suspended. So they've got Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Hardman, and Kelsey. It's the fastest skill position group in the league with the quarterback who has the biggest arm in the league, with the best offensive coach in the league. I don't really see a reason for Kansas City's offense to backslide very much. And I think Tyreek Hill is a, I think he's an Antonio Brown level talent. I think he is best receiver in the NFL type of talent. And he's got the MVP at quarterback. So yeah, I think he will be an absolute monster this year. Will Antonio Brown be? I have no idea. But the Raiders situation is precarious. They open up Monday night football at home against the Broncos. Then they've got the Chiefs at home. Then it's at Minnesota, at Indy, home against the Bears, but not really. That game's in London. Kind of a long flight. Then at Green Bay, at Houston. I don't know what the opening line is for their game at home against the Broncos. I can check, but... They're going to be underdogs in six of their first seven games, if not seven of their first seven games. This Antonio Brown situation is getting dicey. 855-212-4227 in California. Jason is on the Danny Parkin show. What's up, Jason? Hey, Danny. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Um, Thanks yeah, for making no, I mean, 40-year-plus 40, 40 Raider fan, live in Napa. Obviously, we're excited about uh, the season coming up. And that's why I like Mike Mayak. I think he's done a great job so far, and it was a great hire. You know, he calls it like it is, and it is time. I mean, the guy's undeniable. The guy's a phenomenal talent and, you know, continues to produce. But, you know, stuff's got to end. I don't blame him for the, the feet thing. You know, John Gruden made a point to support him in that. I mean, he went someplace and got bad advice. I mean, it's not like he put the, the boots on and said, I'm going to do it myself. You know, he went to a clinic, and for whatever reason, you know, but he's going to get past that. It's his feet. They're going to be fine. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with Mayock on this, too. Is, this is a big season for the Raiders. I mean, once, a, once again, you just looked at the 
schedule. I mean, the schedule is brutal. Uh, I mean, we'll beat the Broncos at home. I, I'm not worried about that one. But, you know, the rest of those games, who knows? But, I mean, we've got to have all, all, all hands on board because, I mean, I think the Raiders can do some nice things this year. I just want them to be competitive, and I think they will be. Um, I kind of disagree with that last caller. I, I don't think there's as many – rogue personalities as people are perpetrating that there is. I think this is a pretty solid team with Gruden leading, but they got a lot of work to do and they, they got to get this guy in there. So just, it's really disheartening, but anyway, we'll see what happens. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate the call. I don't share your optimism. Um, I loved Cleveland Farrell as the fourth pick in the draft. I know everyone said that was a reach. I think he's going to be a stud in the NFL. I, I liked that pick. I, um, I'm just not a believer in John Gruden. He strikes me as the game has passed him by and he just kept saying, no, I'm making good money from ESPN. You got to pay me more. You got to pay me more. You got to pay me more. And Mark Davis wanted to hire him back and make a splashy hire. And he's bringing the team to Vegas and he used to work for the franchise and coach is, I mean, coach and quarterback. That's what you need. And I think Derek Carr is good and has flashed greatness, but John Gruden just, I'm not a believer. When you hire a TV personality to be your coach and your general manager, and then you go out and you get a TV star wide receiver, like it just, it feels too much like Al Davis, Jerry Jones, NFL of the 90s type stuff. The game has evolved in really sophisticated ways. And it strikes me as being fairly obvious that the Raiders are fall, are falling far behind. So I'm, I'm a seller of Raiders stock. They strike me as competing for the number one pick in the draft. Three and 13, four and 12 type of stuff. Antonio Brown makes him better because he's, often the best player on the field if he plays, but, and I assume he will, I assume he will play, but that strikes me as a very, very, very combustible situation. We've got last but not least, as always to end the show, but I want to discuss a reality check for America's pastime coming up. It's the Danny Parkin show, CBS sports radio. You're listening to the Danny Parkin show. It is the Danny Parkin show on CBS sports radio, where our toll free line is eight, five, five, two, one, two, four, two, two, seven. And it's brought to you by Geico. There's great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico, go to Geico.com. And in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. We might have time for another Antonio Brown call or two, but I wanted to address a topic I hear every so often on national TV and national radio whenever someone tries to work in some baseball conversation. And I love baseball, but I can already hear a lot of you just going for the dial on your radio. And and just stick with me for a second. This idea that baseball is dying or that baseball doesn't promote its sport or that baseball can't sell its stars, it's just nonsense. I love and hate baseball at the same time. I watch it every day. I'm in a two-sport town. I'm on the home of the Cubs. I watch a lot of baseball. Baseball doesn't sell its stars nationally because baseball is a local sport. It's a regional sport. But it's not for a lack of trying. They have Monday night baseball. They have Wednesday night baseball. They have Sunday night baseball. 
They have baseball video games. They have an MLB network, which actually does a really nice job. There's fantasy baseball. There's all sorts of things that all the other leagues have, but there's so many baseball games that if you're here in Chicago and you're a Cubs fan, you will always be more interested in watching the Cubs over watching Mets Phillies. And then once you've watched the Cubs and you spent three, three and a half hours watching them, you don't have enough time to go watch Mets Phillies. It's not like the NFL where if you are a Raider fan, your game doesn't come on until later in the afternoon. So you've got the entire 1 p.m. Eastern slate to watch for all of your fantasy games. And then everybody watches Sunday night football and Monday night football and Thursday night football for gambling and fantasy and survivor pools. And it's standalone. Like you could be a Raider fan and have an opinion on Cam Newton. You're not likely to be an Angel fan and have an opinion on John Carlos Stanton. It's just not really how it works. But people say that baseball doesn't try to promote its stars. Sunday Night Baseball today was at Williamsport, home of the Little League World Series. You had the Cubs and Pirates in fun uniforms with nicknames on the back, interacting with kids, international teams, uh, American teams. You had Team Japan being able to meet you, Darvish, and Anthony Rizzo was talking to them, and they were all talking about how Javi Baez is their favorite player. So this is young and old, domestic and international, all meeting together on a national television stage, and the game will do nothing meaningful in the ratings because the only people watching were Pirates fans and Cubs fans. But that's baseball trying. Baseball put on a really cool event tonight. Major League Baseball teams playing a Major League game at the site of the Little League World Series. It was cross-promoted. It was beautiful. It was really a cool moment. Those kids seem to be thoroughly enjoying themselves, but no one will care. Next year, the Yankees are going to play the White Sox at Field of Dreams. They're going to walk through a cornrow from the set of the movie to a makeshift baseball stadium. It'll be 8,000 people. It'll, It'll tie in one of the most iconic baseball movies ever with two old school franchises, the White Sox and, you know, the Black Sox scandal of 1919 filmed in the movie or uh, profiled in the movie with the New York Yankees. It's a cool thing. It's an outside the box thing. It'll be nationally televised. It'll be the biggest market and the third biggest market. And no one will watch outside of New York and Chicago. But baseball actually had more revenue last year than the NBA. NFL is one, baseball is two, the NBA is three. Now, the NBA is growing and will eventually pass Major League Baseball, and Major League Baseball gets its revenue with 162 games, and the NBA gets it with 82 games, and the NFL beats both of them with 16 games apiece. So that's how you know NFL is king. But how I always describe it is, you could have 100 bucks with a $100 bill, you are the NFL. I could have a hundred bucks with a bunch of fives and singles. I am Major League Baseball. We both got a hundred bucks. Both of our revenues are going up, one more rapidly than the other, one more nationally relevant than the other, one an easier television product to consume than the other. But baseball does just fine. They make a ton of money. They literally, I mean, $10 billion plus annual revenue for the sport is very, very healthy. 
and they're doing creative things and they're marketing it and the players and the talent is better than it's ever been. The game is not better than it's ever been. There are too many strikeouts, walks, home runs, not enough balls put in play. The game is boring when you're actually watching it. I'm with them on the criticism of that, and they should address it. But in terms of marketing the sport, baseball takes a ton of heat for not marketing its sport. They do. It's just that people don't watch. 25 years ago, there were less channels. We didn't have Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Watching a national baseball game still felt kind of special. So you would watch Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire in 1998, or you would watch Ken Griffey Jr., and they would feel like huge, big stars. Baseball doesn't cross over in that way anymore. It's just become regionalized and localized, which is okay. And baseball will do what it can to fight against it, but it's just time. It's inevitable. So baseball is what it is. It's a regional sport made up of a bunch of different regions, and when you add it all together, it still is a pretty nice big pie. The NFL and the NBA are different, and I just think that people should understand that. But tonight was a really good example of this was an event that if the NBA would have done its equivalent or the NFL would have done its equivalent, huge, massive story would have led PTI, would have led all the shows, Trended on Twitter, the whole thing. Baseball did it. They pulled it off. It was a beautiful event, but it largely didn't resonate anywhere outside of Pittsburgh and Chicago because baseball doesn't resonate outside of the cities in which it's played. No shade. Just a reality that baseball fans should accept. And something that, frankly, baseball critics, when they say, ah, they don't do anything to promote their game. Mike Trout could would be anonymous walking around Dallas, Texas. Yeah, he would. And there's nothing that baseball could do to change it. Acuna, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Tatis, Aaron Judge, Javi Baez, Yoan Moncada, Mike Trout, whoever your favorite baseball player is who's a superstar is largely anonymous outside of your home market. Bryce Harper would be stopped in a decent number of places. And that's about it. And that's because of the hair. That's just baseball. In our 2019 fragmented media landscape, there's nothing baseball can do to change that. They'll try. But I think the era of Ken Griffey Jr. and Pedro Martinez and Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire cutting through in a big way, I think that's the last generation of baseball stars that'll truly resonate. You look at those, you know, Q rating top 100 sports celebrity lists. It's NBA players. It's soccer players. It's cricket players. And it's a few NFL players. You have no baseball players anywhere to be found. And I can't see a scenario 10 or 20 years from now where that's changing, but it doesn't mean baseball will be dead in 10 or 20 years. It just means it'll be making its money on singles and fives instead of hundred dollar bills. We go to last but not least coming up next. You're listening to the Danny Parkin Show. With time running out, we still have a few questions we didn't get answers to. Danny Parkins gives us his thoughts on a couple of different stories in this week's edition of Last But Not Least. 
That's right. Last but not least, there's always so many things that I want to get to over the course of the week in the course of a show. We just can't do it. But this week, there's some really good stories. So my man, Antonio Grillo is going to ask the questions and I'll work my way through them. Antonio, what's first? All right. All right, Danny. So teams in the NFL are constantly trying to find their kicker. And one of those teams is your hometown, Chicago Bears. You and everyone else in the city of Chicago knows about their kicking situation being a fiasco since the Cody Parkey double doink against the Eagles in the playoffs last year. After trying out kickers, they now they have now cut Elliot Fry, so they are down to one on their roster, uh, Eddie Pin- Pinero. So do the Bears have a, kick, a kicker, or do they still need to sign another one? I have no idea if Eddie Pinero's their guy, but I'm taking the field on this. I took the field before training camp. I... The Bears have created a fascinating situation. And if you're like, well, why do I care about the Bears kicker? I'll tell you why, because it could happen to you. It happened in Minnesota with Blair Walsh. And oftentimes, if you miss a kick and you don't have the next one, it can be a multi-year fiasco. Matt Nagy, the Bears head coach, has decided to steer into the skid. They invited 10 kickers to minicamp. They asked, they told the media report on it, report on makes and misses. The kicks can be on the record. They made it into a little bit of a circus. They brought two kickers into camp. They were rotating them. They made the kickers in front of the team kick 43 yard field goals. The distance that uh, Cody Parkey double doinked against the Eagles. Like they have been very public about this story. And a really interesting thing happened in their first preseason game, which was at Soldier Field. The first kick was an extra point after a touchdown. It went through. There was a huge Bronx cheer. The next kick happened to be a 43-yard field goal into the same end zone of Cody Parkey. It was missed. Huge boos. The next kick, a 48-yard field goal, made it. Standing ovation. The Bears have created... Mostly through the fault of Cody Parkey, but also their general manager, Ryan Pace. They put in a waiver claim on Roberto Aguayo. They had Cairo Santos. They they had uh, Cody Parkey. They have failed at the kicker position ever since Robbie Gold left. And Robbie Gold had two great seasons and just got 19 million bucks from the Niners. Because of the circus around the Bears kicking situation, they have a home field disadvantage. The whole country is going to be watching September 5th. Packers, Bears opens up the NFL season on Thursday night. The Bears 100th season. Say the first field goal attempt comes mid-second quarter. Soldier Field is going to be noticeably tense on the broadcast. Alan Chris will be talking about it, but you will hear it. And if the kicker makes it, the ovation will be irrational. And if the kicker misses it, the response will be irrational. So Cody Parkey's failing has been transferred over now to Eddie Pinero, but they also tried to trade for the kid from uh, Baltimore that the Vikings traded a fifth-round pick for. They are openly saying, we're still scouting this position. So I think, say Pinero wins the job. If he misses two kicks against the Packers, he's cut. And they'll bring in someone else. Like I've got the like the over under is one and a half kickers on the Bears this year that attempts a field goal. I'm taking the over 
because they've transferred Cody Parking's Cody Parkey's failings onto this next kicker, and they're not getting a blue chipper. They didn't spend big money. They spent big money on Parkey, and it didn't work. But they didn't go out and get Goskowski or uh, trade for Robbie Gold. They're going to have some guy who's never done it before. And I just find it fascinating that whoever the Bears kicker is probably wishes that they were opening up on the road instead of at home. Through no fault of their own, through the fault of Cody Parkey's. But also, because they've steered into the skid and made this a fiasco, we're just hyper aware of all of it. So do they have their kicker? I have no idea. But I know that this story is now fascinating because the Bears' home crowd is almost doing a disservice to the kicker at home. What's next? So Houston Rockets owner Daryl Morey went on the record to say that his star player, James Harden, is a better scorer than, out of all players, Michael Jordan. He says, quote, it's just factual that James Harden is a better scorer than Michael Jordan. You give James Harden the ball, and before you're giving up the ball, how many points do you generate? Which is how you should measure offense. James Harden is by far number one in NBA history, but it's literally a fact, end quote. Now, you see, you've seen James, James Harden play on TV. You know how efficient it is. But as you mentioned earlier, you're from Chicago. You've seen Michael Jordan play. You know he's probably one of the greatest scorers of all time, the legacy that he has. With that being said, what do you make of Rockets GM Daryl Morey saying that it's, quote, literally a fact that James Harden is a better scorer, scorer than Michael Jordan? I love Daryl Morey. He's the Rockets' general manager. He is hyper-aggressive and hyper-player-friendly. He defends his players. When Giannis won the MVP this year over uh, James Harden, he had the Rockets send out like 15 tweets of the statistical argument for Harden over Giannis. Like He ride or dies with his guys. And he's right. He's He's a numbers guy. He's an analytics guy. Numerically, ISO offense percentage, James Harden is the best scorer in NBA history. Booger McFarland said on Monday Night Football, stats are like bikinis. They tell something, but not the, they show a lot, but not the whole thing. That's what that stat is from Daryl Morey. Like he is right empirically in the data, but everyone acknowledges that if Michael Jordan was playing in this era, he would shoot more than 1.7 three-pointers per game, which is what he averaged for his career. It's not the same era. It's not the same game. So James Harden better score than Michael Jordan can be backed up by numbers, but you have to adjust for era. The pace is different. The reliance on three-pointers is different. Sports science is different. Medicine, all those sorts of things. It's just a different game. Now, removing the sensationalist part of putting Michael Jordan there, is James Harden still underrated? Yes. He is a two-time scoring champion. He is a one-time MVP, and his game is visually unappealing. A lot of dribbles, a lot of iso ball, not high degree of athleticism. He's not dunking over people. A lot of step backs, a ton of free throws. But James Harden, if I needed a basket, he is the one-on-one player like ball in his hand, top of the key, not one-on-one, like, you know, five-on-five, but just I got to have him go one-on-one against his man. I'm taking him over LeBron. I'm taking him over Durant. He is the best scorer in the NBA today. You should search out this video. James Harden says he's got a new move coming. He has a one-foot three-pointer 
that he's practicing on. This video went viral the other day on Twitter. It's like a, it's not a Euro step and it's not the step back. It's a thing that it, it feels like it should be a travel, but because he literally never puts the second foot down to launch off of two feet, it's not. And this video is insane. He's just sinking a 25 footer from the side uh, on like a step back off one foot. I have no idea if he'll be able to infiltrate that into a game, but James Harden's offensive repertoire is breathtaking. Is he a better player than Michael Jordan? Of course not. But Daryl Morey's just riding for his guy. I got no problem with it. What's last up? All right, last one. A few days ago, the NFL announced that it was entering a partnership with Jay-Z's company, Rock Nation. It also includes a social justice partnership and will play an important role in the NFL's recently launched, quote, Inspired Challenge Initiative, a collaboration between the NFL and the Players Coalition, group of NFL players seeking to advance social and racial justice. The initiative focuses on three causes in particular, education, economic advancement, police and community relations, criminal justice reform. Jay-Z says, quote, with its global reach, the NFL has a platform and opportunity to inspire change across the country. But this week's announcement was followed with some some, some uh, criticism and controversy that is embroidered in following treatment of Colin Kaepernick, including him not being signed to a team with his national anthem protest, as well as the NFL facing criticism for owners' refusal to hire Kaepernick, as well as in his attempt to end the players' kneeling protest that continued without him. All these issues predate to the NFL Rock Nation partnership, but these issues have still led to backlash against and criticism of the New Deal, with critics focusing more on their ire on Jay-Z. So what are your thoughts on the NFL and Jay-Z partnering for a social justice in- initiative? Well, I'm very skeptical of it, but I am cautiously optimistic, and here's why. Jay-Z has a long record of caring about social justice. He is not some late-to-the-party guy. Having said that, do I trust that the NFL is truly altruistic? Of course not. Do I trust that Jay-Z is being totally altruistic? Of course not. Jay-Z is a billionaire. Jay-Z has partnered with the NFL. Jay-Z reportedly now wants to own an NFL team. I am under no illusions that Jay-Z is not out to make money for himself and Rock Nation and to further his own brand, which is okay. The question is, can some legitimate good come because of that? And I think the answer is yes. We just have no idea in what form. And I get why Eric Reed and Colin Kaepernick are pissed. They're like, how can you partner with the guy and say that we're past kneeling when you never kneel, Jay? When Colin Kaepernick is going on 900 days without employment and still doesn't have a job. And he says we're past. Jay-Z literally said when the announcement came out, Colin's whole thing was to bring attention to social injustice. This is the next thing. For me, this is action. We help millions and millions of people or we get stuck on Colin not having a job. End quote. Well, It should be able to be both. And when he says, for me, this is action, yeah, but this wasn't your fight. You're coming in after the fight has already been done on the front lines, and you're swooping in and reaping the benefits and getting credit 
for benefits that happen going forward. Like I know that the social justice initiative where teams you know, contributed to raise the 89 million bucks over 10 years. Like I know firsthand that some of that is going to really good use. I know some of the players on the bears that are involved in that stuff. And I know some of the charitable outreach that they're doing here in Chicago that was not happening two years ago. So good has come already from what Colin Kaepernick did. What's uncomfortable about this is it feels like they took the baton from Colin without him passing it off. And it was the same thing when Anquan Bolden and those guys formed that social justice committee without Eric Reed and Colin being involved in it. If they could only take it so far, that's fine. But it's hard to have blanket trust in the NFL when Kaepernick's still unemployed. Thanks to Therese Paler, Joe Ostrowski, Ben Heisler were my guests. James Bacchioni and Kevin Wall kept me on the air. Antonio Grillo is my producer. Peter Schwartz with the updates. I'm off next week, then we're back, and it's football season. Thanks for hanging out on the Danny Parkins Show, CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.